Hey, Josh, don't put that mic up. I'm going to need to borrow it tonight. Um, had fun with Josh Sunday. I had fun with Josh Sunday. He, I complimented his guitar playing, and he didn't have my phone number in his phone. So uh, he said, oh, thank you, but who is this? I don't know who this is. And so my first response was Elvis Presley. <laughs> then I waited about 10 or 15 minutes. And I said, no, I'm serious. It's uh, Jimi Hendrix, I think I put next. And uh, then I just let him wait a day or two, and then I let him know who it was. But anyway, I appreciate them. Don't you all appreciate the music every Wednesday? <clears throat> so I got this microphone because uh, I want you all to talk to me tonight. And I thought about bringing you all closer together so that we could hear. But then I remembered the favorite song of every Southern Baptist. Do you know what that is? I shall not be moved. <laughs> so, so we're not going to do that tonight. We're just going to use the microphone for all those that want to say. But uh, tonight's going to either be really short or we'll fill the hour. And that depends on you. Uh, I'll introduce the topic. Many of you have already gotten... Um, what we're looking at tonight, how many do not have a copy? Okay, so would you mind if anyone else has their hands up, would you give them one as well? Just raise your hand if you don't have a piece. Oh, here, I'll split the side. I'll find somebody over here. Give me half of those if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you, Gerald. Gerald and I build a, and uh, I want to see that James is here tonight. I'm trying to think who else. We all work together on a, uh, ramp for the Avery's. Ken's coming home hopefully soon and uh, we got a ramp built for him so he can get in his house and uh, I tell you uh, thanks to Stuart Lumber um, Stuart Lumber donated all the materials for the ramp and so we're very very thankful for, th for that so uh, tonight we're going to look at Psalm 124 and I looked around while we were singing together and I know there's the overachievers here in the group. They were already reading ahead. They already know what Todd's going to do tonight. And you've already read the commentary notes about the songs of ascent that start in Psalm 120 and goes through 134. There's 14 songs of ascent. And we're going to look at the fourth one tonight. <clears throat> but I wanted you to back up um, to, to understand what songs of ascent are, if you don't know. Many of you in the Wednesday night crowd knows more than I do. But uh, you can look in there and see. But before we dive in tonight, first of all, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the rain today. I thank you for the sunshine afterward. Lord, you're a God who supplies all our needs daily, and we don't even give you credit and acknowledge that you are in control of everything. Sometimes we think we're in control of so much, and we're really in control of nothing. But Lord, we're dependent on you. We're just sheep. Who need a shepherd? So, Father, it's always good to come on a Wednesday night and to just have a time to just stop the, the mechanism and uh, the crazy world that we're in and to just hear from you. And, Father, I pray that we will hear from you, from your word, that you will speak through me. Lord, I'm not a worthy servant at all to be used by you, but you choose to at times. So, Father, may, may I be used. May I just be a vessel tonight. And Lord, may we leave this place encouraged, challenged, and thoughtful of what you've done for us for so long and the promise that you've given us of eternal life. We're thankful for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's your favorite hymn? 
Tell me what your favorite hymn is. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Why? Because of the grace is amazing. Yep. You've got Amazing Grace memorized. You could now. I'm not going to ask you to sing it, but you could sing it because you know the words, right? Also, my husband's favorite song. Very good. So, what's another favorite hymn of yours? Great is thy faithfulness. Why, Patty? It just speaks to me about God's faithfulness, and He's always there, always faithful. Yeah. One more. What's another favorite How hymn? Great How great thou art. Why? Because it reminds us that we need to be reminded every day that nothing is beyond what our God can accomplish. Yes. So now you know why I'm going to use this microphone tonight, because a lot of you can't hear what they're saying. But see, I did that so that you'd all want to say, okay, I better get a microphone if I'm going to say something tonight. But those, those three hymns are, are very, very uh, important, very solid in our, in our theology, our day, and, and, and we've all grown up listening to them. Well, that's what these songs are to the people of Jerusalem. That's, that's the songs of ascent, and they know these songs, they knew these songs, and still probably still do today, know these songs like we know Amazing Grace and How Great Thou Art and Great is Thy Faithfulness. And so if we look here uh, in Psalm, the songs of ascent, this diverse group includes individual and corporate laments, songs of confidence, thanksgiving hymns, a song celebrating Zion, Wisdom Psalms, a, a royal psalm, a psalm for a liturgical occasion. And some traditional Jewish interpreters have suggested that these were the songs sung on the steps, either in parts of the temple or up, on the, up from a spring in Jerusalem. Others have taken them as geared toward returning Jerusalem from exile, from Babylon. But neither of these makes good sense of David's authorship of Psalms 122, 24, 131, and 134. It's probably, enough, it's probably enough to take them simply as suited to the ascent to Jerusalem for worship. You know, I know a lot of us look forward to worship every Sunday. And I made a comment a few months ago when I did the 9 o'clock welcome. It's, it's encouraging to drive here on Sunday morning. I have to take the long way. I'm, I don't live on this end of town. So it's encouraging to take the long way, the long trek to First Baptist because we have to come all, I have to come all the way down Highway 70. And to watch you people race through the lanes and then to finally scoot over left, it's just hilarious to watch people encouraged and, and hopeful and excited to get to worship. It says a lot about our church and it says a lot to the people that are going, what are these crazy nuts? You know, where are they trying to get? Oh, they're going to church. But I think it's, it's neat. Well, that would well, be a song of descent, wouldn't it? Song of descent from, from Highway 70. But anyway, but here, look at what Psalm 124 is. It's a thanksgiving hymn for the community, particularly for an occasion in which God's people have been under threat, but have been delivered. It's conceivable that David wrote this psalm in response to some deliverance, such as those in 2 Samuel. But the words are quite general applicable in a wide variety of settings. And God's people have known many occasions on which this psalm provided just the right hymn. The indication of the psalm being a song of ascent seems to be that the faithful would sing it in connection with their pilgrimage to Jerusalem each year. The deliverance of the whole people allows them to continue journeying there. So I'm going to give you a little personal um, understanding of what I think every time I read this psalm. Because God speaks to me and he speaks to you when you read the word. And have you ever read the word and God bring you to remembrance 
of your life? I don't think I'm the only one. When you read the Bible, the Lord, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and bring to you remembrances of occurrences or events that have happened in your life and what the Lord did in those particular times. So uh, if you've known me very long, you may have heard of Buck's story. You know who Buck is? Buck's my brother. Uh, he was two and a half years older. He's two and a half years older than I am. Um, I'm the runt of the litter, okay? My mom and dad are, are both large people. Uh, my brother was easily three to four inches larger than me and two and a half years older. On top of that, um, Buck used to beat me up all the time. I mean, we would wrestle and tango. We disagreed on everything. We were totally opposites. If, if I liked rock and roll music, he liked country. You know, if, if, if I liked a particular car, like a Ford, he had to have a Dodge or a Plymouth. It was just opposites on, on everything. But I'm gonna tell you the two times, and probably the only two times, I was ever really proud of my brother. Um, I haven't seen my brother since 1987. And the last time I laid eyes on him, he was running from the police. Um, Buck was on the top story of the 10 o'clock news one day when he was arrested for selling drugs at a military airplane company where he was working. Um, Buck struggled in, in, in school tremendously. If, if it would have been today, they would have been able to understand what his learning disability was, and I think they probably could have helped Buck a lot. But instead of him, they held him back one year, he still continued to struggle, and I think that, that became such a frustration that he took it out in various ways, and, and part of that, he decided to just beat me up for fun. Um, but two times in my life, Buck came to my rescue. And we grew up not really having a, you know, how many of you are, have been here in Dixon all your life? You've been born, raised here, you're, you're Dixonians. How many Dixonians do we have in here? James back there, he's a Dixonian, who else? So the Hawkins, they're, they're Dixonians. Oh, yep, you guys are Dixonians. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, June. Okay. So you don't know what it's like, probably, to move to a town where you know no one. Uh, you're not from here. You don't have any family here. And it's just different. And so my only home was in Wichita, Kansas. And, and I grew and went to kindergarten and first grade in my, around my home. And then I moved and went to this little town called Rose Hill, Kansas. It was the town where the missionary from the Philippines, do you remember the missionary from the Philippines that was killed? He was from Rose Hill, Kansas, the one that uh, he was killed and they saved the wife and the kids. He was from Rose Hill. Anyway, went to Rose Hill for two years. And then we, I only went to second and third grade there and then moved to fourth and started fourth grade in Douglas School. The reason I'm telling you all this is I went to three different schools and every time I'd go, I was the, the odd person out, the, the, not the person that, that anybody trusted or knew. And, and uh, so anyway, my f I played baseball, loved baseball. Um, and so I began my little league career in Rose Hill. And I, my birthday is September 30th. So I was always the youngest person in my class. October 1st was a cutoff date. So I was always the youngest in my class. And so they had divided Little League by age groups. And make a long story short, I was the youngest person on my team. And so we had, I had people as much as two years older than me playing on this team. And so 
uh, I had to play against these older people and during practice, uh, I would just fill the position wherever someone else was sick or on vacation during the summer. So I played a wide variety of places during practice, but when game time came, I didn't get to play. And because the coach was gonna play his son and he was, and, you know, I wasn't from there, so all the people that were from there were gonna get to play ball. And so it was frustrating to my parents, but, but God had another thing planned. Uh, so those two years, I learned a lot about baseball and played a lot of different positions in practice. But then we moved to the little town of Douglas, little town of 2,000 people. I had 44 people in my graduating class. I was in the top half, top 50% of the, it was a tough job being the top 50% when I graduated. <clears throat> anyway, so I moved to Douglas uh, the summer before my fourth grade year. And so I came with a variety of experience in playing ball and I went to play ball with some people that were not as good as the Rose Hill people. And so Jack Flippo was my coach who was the chairman of deacons at First Baptist Church Douglas. And he was the only person that accepted me as not an outsider but as a new person with a potential benefit to the team. And so that summer I played baseball and that summer I played pitcher, catcher, first, second, shortstop, third, center field, and left field. And um, they only, they took me out of being pitching because I hit somebody in the head and knocked them out. So they, they took me out of pitching and said, that's not your gift. <clears throat> so I, I got to really, I, I found out that that was a pretty good ball player. So I got to school my very first day in Douglas. And there was a guy by the name of Bubby Wallace, David Potts, Jack Hagee, and who was the fourth one? I should have had this thought in my head before I tell you this story. But there were four guys after school lured me to this little place. Uh, Michelle, you remember behind Leonard C. Seal School, back behind there, they wouldn't do this today. But right next to the school playground and the school grounds was a big, huge propane gas depot. So if anybody lit a match, <laughs> <laughs> it was the most dangerous place you could ever put, a, <laughs> put it by a school. But, so they lured me over here to show me something, supposedly. And these four guys started beating me up because they didn't like me. I was a threat to their baseball and their, and their, and their sports. It was, just, it was an initiation to let me know that I wasn't from here and that this was not the place that I needed to be. And so they began to beat me up. My brother sees what's going on. The brother who's beat on me my entire life decides to come to my rescue. And he cleans out three of them. Just, it's done, it's over with, it's, it's over. And he looks back and he looks at me and he says, are you gonna take care of him? And I turn around and this guy's standing here and there's a, some pipe right behind back here of gas pipe. And I just looked down and I just pushed him. And he went flying over that pipe and he was done, he was out. And I looked at him and I said, don't ever mess with us again. And nobody ever messed with me the rest of school, until my high school and we handled that. But, my brother came to my rescue for a time that I didn't see anything, I didn't see any way of getting out of this without a terrible thing happening. And my brother shows up to rescue me. Well, there was a time before that that my brother rescued me as well. At my beginning in school, it probably wasn't um, very far away from the house, but it seemed I was miles away on a bike ride with my brother. And we got into some territory. Do you all remember the Schwinn Stingray bikes with the banana seats? 
That's what both of us had. We had some Schwinn Stingray bikes with a banana seat. And so we're riding along and all of a sudden these big boys decide that we're on their turf and that we need to get out of there. And so they start running us over and start trying to intimidate us and all those things. And, and uh, my chain comes off my bike. So I can't pedal and get away. Well, Buck holds him off, puts my chain on real quick, gets on and says, get out of here. I got this. I said, no. And he said, go, don't, don't stop. Get out of here and get back. So I just left. And, and I, think, I think that was the first prayer I ever prayed in my life. Save, save my brother. Well, he came back about 30 minutes later and his wheels are doing this and and his banana seat, you know, that had the two stakes that went back, it was all bent and everything. And he comes coming in and I said, what in the world happened to your bike? I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah. He said, bikes are a great weapon. And he just took the handlebars and swung the bike and just started taking these guys out with the bicycle, you know. And so Buck saved me twice. Now, he did a lot of other things to me, but Buck saved me twice. And every time I read this song, I think about Buck. And I think about how the last person that you would think or the last thing that you would think would happen happens with God. So let's read Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. In the message it says, if the Lord hadn't been for us altogether, now Israel sing out. This is a song that they're singing because they've lived this. They've experienced this. This has happened in their lifetime. And this has happened in the previous generations. And they know it. That's what this song's about. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us. When their anger flared out against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. In the message, verses 5 and 6 says, Swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent, we would have lost our lives in the wild, raging river. Have you ever been in an experience in water where you really thought that you were going to lose your life in the wild raging river. Have you ever been there? Well, I've had a lot of experiences on canoes. Michelle would tell me that I'm a terrible canoeist. Right, Michelle? <laughs> I put her through more trees, across more logs, all these other things. But I learned the experience of water one time when, a, when an adult man was sideways in a canoe and his, and, and his strap on his life vest caught on his chin and he was underwater and I could not get him out until I remembered that I had a pocket knife in my shorts. I never have a pocket knife in my shorts when I go canoeing, but that day I did. And I was able to cut that strap and get him out from under that log. And I think about that every time I look at this, when we have, would have lost our lives in the wild, raging river. One time in, back home in Winfield, Kansas, um, Michelle, would you say I'm a good sailor? <laughs> Michelle comes from a family of very professional sailors. Has anyone ever sailed before? Charlie and Betty, you've sailed. 
Okay. Anybody ever sailed before? Have you ever sailed, Charlie and Betty, in a torrential summer storm with 40 or 50 mile an hour winds and it's raining sideways and you're out in the middle of the lake that you can't even see? Check the forecast before we go out. <laughs> He's an excellent sailor. <laughs> well, <clears throat> when I was dating Michelle, was we dated or were we married? We were married. Okay. There, in Kansas, you can see a storm coming a mile away. There's no mountains. There's no trees. A state tree in Kansas is a telephone pole. Okay? You can see a storm coming days away. Okay? My father-in-law said, Todd, don't take that sailboat out. It's going to be a rain. It's going to be a storm. You don't need to. Ah, we'll be all right. We'll get out there. We'll get back before it's here. So we got out there in the middle of Winfield Lake, and It comes. It comes ahead of, ahead of my time. And so I am fighting this thing for all I'm worth. I'm hanging out overside of the boat to, to provide ballast here. And Michelle's yelling, let go of the sail. Just let go of the sail. No, I'm going to fight it to the end. You know, I'm going to fight it to the end. Well, when the mass comes and goes underwater, there's no fighting. Lay on. You have to give in. And so I, we were praying and, and I remember Michelle said, if this doesn't kill us, I'm going to. <laughs> Look at what it says. The flood would have engulfed us, the torrent would have swept over us, and the raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to God, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. The message says he didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. You ever seen a rabbit in the middle of a pack of snarling dogs? There's no defense. The rabbit gets ate. I've seen it. But in verse 7, the song tells him about Israel. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our help. He's our help. An ever-present help in time of trouble, it says in the Bible somewhere else. God's there. So I've given you three instances, two of my brother helping me out and another time when my father-in-law tried to help me out and that didn't happen. But God rescued me and I stand here today as a result anyway. But what's God done for you? We don't get to talk enough here at the church about what God's done for you. You get to hear preachers preach and tell stories about other people. There's a lot of time for us to, to, to talk about what God has done with other people, but you don't get a chance a lot of times to talk. And so it's 7.07, you have roughly, well, almost 7.08, so you've got 22 minutes if you want to, but what's the Lord done for you? How has he saved you? If the Lord hadn't been on your side, what would have happened? So this microphone's on. No, it's not. The microphone will be on. Hey, is it on, Gordon? Test one, two. 
I've got a light, but nobody's home. Wow. Um, it just it's just lit up. It don't do anything. I'm going to try another one. I'm going to go with orange here. I like that one. So had the Lord not been on your side, what would your life been like? Let all Israel say. The Bible's good today, too. Had the Lord not been on your side, what would it have been like? Now, come on, I bore my soul. Here we go. I think I probably talk loud enough about it. Oh, go ahead anyway. You made me think about uh, my husband wanted to jump the waves a long time ago, back in my younger days. And we were going to jump waves, but he was going to hold my hand because I was afraid of the ocean. Well, we got out there and got further out. You know, you keep going further out and further out and further out. And he was enjoying it so much, he let me go. And here these waves kept coming. And I thought I was going to drown that day. I really did. If the Lord hadn't taken care of me, I, I really do think I would have drowned that day. And I have learned real quick, my feet get wet, and that's as far as I go. <laughs> You've been baptized, right? I have. Okay, good. Okay, then you're good. Thank you. Who else? Had the Lord not been on your side? Is the Lord on your side? Had the Lord not been on your side? Yes, Sid. Well, the Lord's been on my side three times in my lifetime. At the age of 12, this uh, lived in Memphis, Frazier. I was hit by a car on my bicycle. It broke my arm. Broke one of my legs. I had a concussion. It fractured the other arm. And I survived it at the age of 12. And then at 21, in here in Tennessee, I caught, uh, Patty, what was that I had? Uh, hepatitis. And, and, and if you ever had that, I mean, that put me in the bed, and I, could, I couldn't get up. And I was just 21 years old. And I had a 57 Chevrolet, and my mother come and got me and took me to St. Francis Hospital in Memphis. And I was in there for two weeks. And that, that, that is the experience of its own. And just recently, three years ago, three and a half years ago, I had open-heart surgery. So, you know, the good Lord's been with me three times in my life, and I'm, I'm so thankful, you know, that I have him. And, of course, I got Patty here, you know, to keep me straight. But that, that you, those are the three things that really stick home to me. And there's one other thing I'd like to say about that. My youngest son, John, we were in Hawaii, and we was on the beach. And North Shore. North Shore Beach. And, you know, that, that beach is really wavy and stuff. So it just pounds the coast? Yeah, right. It's where it, they go. Sorry. Okay. And John and I were out there, and he just started drifting out 
And he went out a pretty good ways, didn't he? And I went out and got him. And that's really a scary experience. Kind of like when you, the canoe, canoe thing. Yeah. Anyway, though, those are things that, that, that sticks to me. So what'd you do with that 57 Chevrolet? I wish I still had it. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of those experiences, like Sid was talking about, but one particularly God taught me a big lesson. Uh, our daughter was out in the surf in the ocean, and basically she got so far out she, she was going to drown. So I went out to, to meet her, took a raft out, gave her the raft, and let her go back in thinking I could swim back in, no problem. But I got caught in the riptide. She got to the shore. I didn't. I swam and swam and swam, but the riptide kept, just kept pulling me under. Finally, I was so exhausted, I just I thought, well, I'm going to drown. But about that time, when I quit swimming against the riptide, the waves washed me ashore. And God spoke to me just like a voice out of heaven. When you give up and trust me, I'll take care of you. Mm. And that's what he did. That's good. Very good. Who else? Let's read it again. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, for he has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we've escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How's the Lord helped you? How's he been a help? Is he helping you today? Think how the Lord has helped this church through the last few months. I'm just going to tell you, our staff was very concerned about our church during COVID. When we had to shut down, we knew that there'd be far less money coming in. We were all worried about whether we'd still have a job. And the Lord provided in many ways. We did what we could do. We cut programs. We began to shut buildings down. We began to do things that would, would save on utilities, all these things. But... So many things happened that allowed us to keep the ministry going. And when we got to come back after eight weeks, well, how many did we have, Patty? 200 and some show up in th between the two services. And here we all are in masks and, you know, we're, we're sanitizing everything and then sanitizing it again so, so everybody, the next crew can come in. And it was just a very difficult time. And fast forward to... Is it June or July, Patty, that we're going to pay this off? We voted last Sunday. That was May. We're going to pay off July. the debt in July. Yes. 
83 acres, no debt. During the toughest time in, in, in our modern history of our country, economically, all those things, we're paying off our debt. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Like you said, Gary, when you stop struggling, when we stop struggling and keep going against the grain and going against God's current, and we surrender, the current takes care of us. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of things happen in my childhood. But when I was uh, between 35 and 40, I don't remember how old I was in 2001 if I did the map, and I think I'd be 39. But Josh, one of my, all of you that know me very well, been, you know what happened to Josh. And the worst thing that Michelle and I could have ever experienced. And today, Josh is still in a wheelchair and can't walk. But today, he's in Walt Disney World with his wife and two sons and drove all the way down there and is driving all the way back and is leaving with me to go to Sturgis in August driving a 1977 Bronco that he's restored and is doing because he's always wanted to do a long trip. Our help is in the name of the Lord. No matter what, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Whatever you're struggling with right now, June, I know that foot drives you crazy. But our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that so many of us in here are struggling and we don't know what to do. We have personal issues, health issues, financial issues. And I think it's very interesting what Gary said, when we surrender and let you take control and trust you, you make the way straight. You save, you deliver, you do amazing things. Father, help us to be like Israel, willing to sing had the Lord not been on our side. Father, may we be and total understanding of what you're doing. May we see where you're working. And when we can't see, help us to trust that you're working and wait for you to do amazing things that we can never even dream or imagine. Father, take us a deeper level, a greater measure of faith as a result of studying Psalm 124 tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Y'all have a great week.